All right, guys, we are back with the Dane and Nick podcast, talking some Pac-12 hoops here. Sorry for the off week last week. I finally moved out of my dad's house at the ripe age of 29. I went to a party in college, so you can uh, figure out what I was doing for the last 10 years. Uh, for the kids, we'll, we'll keep uh, children appropriate, so I'll just leave it at that. So if you haven't been here before and uh, or you're new to this show, basically... Dane and I will have your favorite Pac-12 hoops team covered in three minutes or less. I get 90 seconds. He gets 90 seconds. Some, sometimes it may go like three minutes and four seconds. Deal with it. But I got a life. Dane's got a life. Our publisher's got a life. You all have lives. So we'll get you out in and out pretty quick. So I always start with three big takeaways. And I actually had to redo uh, my intro because of a late result. So I'll start with the first two. The, again, the three big takeaways. Uh, I don't think any team in the conference is good enough to go far into the tourney. Um, I just really don't. I don't think Oregon or Colorado are built for more than the Sweet 16. I think they're great teams and not elite. Uh, second takeaway, the middle of the conference is a cluster of teams. Just about freaking every team in the conference is in the middle of that um, kind of bubble right now. And um, yeah, you'll hear that many times throughout this podcast. And third, I did have, I think UW could go to the tourney. But after that loss to Washington State, that third takeaway now turns in what the heck happened to UW this year something has gone terribly terribly wrong so with that Dane kick us off from Arizona hey good good to talk to you it's been a while thanks Nick glad to be back checking in here in Tucson I guess it's actually supposed to rain tomorrow and a little bit on Tuesday so it's also uh low 70s kind of thing so we're not quite uh hitting summer yet but we're getting there but yeah, so take away from this week, obviously Colorado sweeping at home and taking first place, uh, sole possession of first place in the conference with just uh, three losses. They're eight and three, and you know it was a really uh, a big win for them, especially against Stanford. That scary injury, Oscar da Silva is just sort of a basketball play where he tried to uh, you know uh, draw a charge. Da Silva did and um, kind of got run over. Um, by Batty, and they just sort of landed in an awkward position. But um, seeing on Twitter and things that uh, De Silva is okay. Uh, he's probably in a concussion protocol. It looked like he had a bit of a neck injury. Couldn't really tell what the extent of it is, other than it's probably a concussion and might be some neck or shoulder injury. But uh, yeah, a scary moment, but big win for Colorado. Other than that, Oregon State upsetting Oregon. Um, was a really big result for the rest of the conference for the teams not named Colorado because everybody's basically still in it. You got uh, three teams with four losses: the Oregon Ducks, Arizona Wildcats, and Arizona State Sun Devils, and then a handful of teams with five losses: USC, UCLA, and Stanford. So uh, we're right in the thick of it, and nothing is clear at this point. So we're going to start off this week talking about the Utah Utes. And on Thursday night, they beat Stanford in a huge overtime win. Um, I think this is the type of victory that could turn around their season. No guarantees there, but definitely after being in last place just a few, two or three weeks ago, um, beating Stanford is all of a sudden a huge monumental result. So if you look at kind of the key takeaways and stats from this game, Brandon Carlson and 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 blocks. <laughs> he had 8 blocks, guys. That's domination. Uh, he held a Stanford star forward slash center, Oscar De Silva, to 8 points. So just great game from Brandon Carlson. 
Uh, Riley Batten added 11 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. And their best player all season long, Timmy Allen at 15. So, huge win for the Utes. And if we hop over to Saturday night, they pretty much easily handled um, Cal. Um, I mean, there's nothing really else to say. They whooped their butt from start to finish. I think this could really be a good sign for the Utes. Uh, they grabbed two in a row. And as the aforementioned at the top, they're one of those teams in the middle of the pack. Currently 5-6 and six in conference with 752 other teams. And uh, sorry, hopping around a little bit here. So uh, back to Saturday night again. They whooped Cal start to finish. Timmy Allen was the best player on the court. Uh, 21 points. And it was a cool way to honor former athletic director Chris Hill. Um, they're honoring him that night. So up next they're facing... They're going on the road to Corvallis to face the Beavers and facing the Ducks, and we'll see if they can continue and carry over that momentum. The story with Utah is that they went at home and they can't win on the road. Uh, the Huntsman Center is a major home field advantage. It's uh, Not only is it at altitude, but they always have a ton of fans there. I think they average the third most in the Pac-12. I think it's about eight, eight or 10,000 per game, and they're really passionate. It's always a difficult place to get a road win. And that's that was proven with the victory over Stanford, and then the easy victory over California uh, was more expected. The, the victory over Stanford um, might be their best win of the year, although you know they had good victories over Kentucky and um, BYU as well. But um, they're certainly the biggest win in conference for them. Let's put it that way. They might have had bigger wins, but um, so yeah. Now they're five and six overall. They're right there in the bottom middle part of the of the race here in the standings and so really if you can't get wins on the road um that's about where they're going to finish um this week coming up they got oregon state and oregon so those are probably both losses though you might be able to get it done out there in oregon at oregon state but um probably not at oregon a lot of that will depend on um how colorado handles both of those teams um really because the momentum that a win or a loss will do in your first game it either motivates you to play your second game on Saturday or you're a little bit less motivated because you already have a win. But um, anyways, we'll see how they do it at the Oregon trip, and um, they just got to continue to defend home court. All right, so the next team we're going to hop into here is the Buffs, currently sitting top of the conference first place. 19 and 5 record, 8 and 3 in the Pac 12. So if you look at Thursday night, they uh didn't play their best game against Cal, but they've done pretty much what they've done all season, which is just find a way to win games. This Colorado team hasn't necessarily looked good, to be honest. It seems like every game is close. They don't really put it all together, but they always seemingly find a way to win games. And bottom line, they're seeing it first in the conference. And you start every season starts, or every team starts their season hoping to win the conference. So Right now, they're on track to do that, and um, nothing really else to say. Um, first in the conference speaks for itself. So back to Thursday night, Tyler Bayla, the way at 21 points and 10 rebounds. McKinley Wright, 17 points, 4 assists, but 3 turnovers. So 4 assists to, to 3 turnovers is quite concerning. Deshaun Schwartz added 14 points. So again, um, they beat Cal. They should have won, but hey, they didn't lose. What else can you say? Saturday night, they came back from down 16 points um, in the second half with only 18 minutes left to beat Stanford. So the 18 minutes left, they're trailing by 16. Found a way to win. Forget the stats. This shows the character of a team. Great, great win for Colorado. They could have blew one and really kind of hurt their tournament. I mean, they're going to be in the tournament. But hurt their seeding for the tournament. Um, doesn't really matter about the stats when you come back 16 to win. But McKinley Wright did have 21. Deshaun Shorts with 20. 
and up next at Oregon and at Oregon State, but circle that at Oregon game. That's going to be for first place in the conference. Big matchup. Colorado continues to win at home, which is how you win the regular season championship. Um, if you're going to pull that off, you have to win every game at home. Essentially, you can't drop one at home, um, maybe one, but not more than two. And, you know, they had the loss earlier in the year in Boulder to the Beavers, which was a head scratcher. But, you know, they've held serve since then and they split on the road, which is how you win um, the Pac-12 title. So they're eight and three overall. That means they have a one game advantage over the Oregon Ducks, who have seven wins and four losses. So um, they're in the driver's seat right now. Um, they control their own destiny. And this week, as Nick said, they're going out to Oregon and it's going to really um, determine the the race here the conference race is going to come down to this weekend and then Oregon heads to Arizona the following week there's a two big road swings that are essentially going to define uh your regular season champion this year so if Colorado sweeps or at the very least splits they're going to be in a really good position as they already are right now and so if and if they're able to sweep um you can pretty much hand it to them so coming on um this week Thursday I think they play Oregon and so that game is, you could say it's for all the marbles, because if Colorado wins that game, uh, they're going to be really tough to dismantle, um, take off at a first place. So they're going to be uh, motivated for that game, and so are the Oregon Ducks, which should be a good one. So maybe your upstart team, and probably someone I could have included in the top three takeaways from the week, the ASU Sun Devils all of a sudden are 15 and 8, 16 and 4th in conference, sitting in fourth place. Um, again, they're really the middle of the pack like everyone else. <laughs> You're going to hear that a lot this episode. But um, they are fourth place. So Thursday night, they blew UCLA out of the gym, a result they should have expected, but they took care of business at home. That's all you can really ask, to, um, ask for, ask to do. So Alonzo Verge Jr. with 26, Remy Martin with 15.7 assists. And again, these are the type of uh, blowout wins, especially against weaker competition, that the Sun Devils are going to need if they hope to be selected for the NCAA tournament. Right now, I wouldn't place them in there, but they're starting to make a case for themselves. And on Saturday night, um, huge win against USC, um, trailing down by 12 in the first half. Um, again, this now this victory right here could be kind of pushing them into that bubble team range. Huge win over the Trojans. Huge win. Remy Martin hit a game-winning shot that banged off the backboard, circled around the hoop twice. Whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop, and, and whoop-whoop-whoop. Yeah, you got it. So anyway, bank shot for the win. He had 22 points. Um, Alonzo Verge had 16. So Alonzo Verge really had a solid week with 26 and 16, average 20 per game. Remy Martin's starting to pass the ball a little bit more, get his teammates involved. Great to see from a point guard leader. They've won five out of their last six. And next, they're at Stanford and at Cal. And uh, both these games could prove very winnable, and ASU could be well on their way back to the NCAA tournament. One factor that's really beneficial to the Sun Devils is their brand name and uh, Bobby Hurley in general, as well as their success last year in the NCAA tournament. Um, what, whether you like it or not, the selection committee is a political committee, and so teams get in that probably shouldn't, or you know the other way around, I guess, um, based on for lack of a better word, politics. Um, like I said, though, it's brand name recognition. And what the Sun Devils have done, they've earned it. It's not just something that was handed to them because 20 years ago they were a good team, you know, or they had tradition. You know, think about it like North Carolina is on a bubble team, probably even though they have 
have had a terrible season, but they might still get in because they're North Carolina. Well, Arizona State is building that for themselves, and they're doing it through hard-earned work, good victories, major non-conference wins. And so they certainly have a chance, better than 50% of making the NCAA tournament at this point. Um, And those two victories this week were big, uh, especially that USC one and the UCLA victory. Now seeing what they did at Arizona, it looks even better. It was a 20-point victory over UCLA, come from behind victory over USC, and now they're going on the road um, to the Bay Area School. So this will be a, a huge weekend for them. And if they can sweep the Bay Area schools, uh, you might as well just pencil them in to the NCAA tournament. Oh, Dane. Oh, Dane. I am so sorry and confused about your Wildcats. I don't think anyone knows what's, really what to expect with them anymore. So... They're 16-7, uh, 16-4 in the Pac-12. Third place, but what am I going to say? They're in the middle of the conference just like everyone freaking else. Just like everyone freaking else, even though they're in third place. Anyway, so on Thursday night, Sean Miller was able to grab his 400th career win. Um, congrats to a successful coaching campaign. To grab 400 wins at any level is quite impressive, so good job by him. And um, really, on Thursday, just a very impressive performance. Um, the Wildcats really showed what they're capable of that they could be considered the best team in conference with performances like this. They uh, handled USC from start to finish. Um, really, I mean, USC is a good team, and they handled them. It wasn't even close. They dominated. Uh, Nico Mannion, 20 points. Josh Green and Zeke Naji with 18 apiece. So a great balanced attack and a great win for them. But then on Saturday, you follow a great win against USC, and then Saturday lose to the Bruins and really just got outplayed at home, handled really. I mean, beaten pretty easily. And this is indicative of a young freshman-led team, but it is an unacceptable loss at home any way you want to slice the cake. Uh, Zeke Naji, 14 points and 10 rebounds. No one else really came to play, but this is just a weird week with those two results. Up next, at Cal and at Stanford. Two very winnable games and ones that U of A really should win. So I was at both of these games. In the USC game, uh, Arizona was winning by 20 at one point and then kind of collapsed towards the end of it and allowed USC to come back. Arizona ended up winning by five, but I don't think the Wildcats scored a regular field goal in the last eight minutes and really probably should have lost the game. And then against UCLA, um, they just couldn't shoot the ball. 25% from the field. I think they made 12, maybe 14 field goals the whole game. In the 48 years that McHale has been in existence, McHale Center, it was the worst shooting performance in the history of the building. And it was just, I, it was, I couldn't, I don't even know how to explain it. It was awful. But, um, yeah, so the, moving forward this week, the Bay Area trip, Arizona has swept that five of the uh, seven times in the Pac-12 era. Arizona hasn't lost to Stanford since 2009. That's 18 or 19 wins in a row. And during the same period, uh, Arizona's lost to Cal, I think, five or six times. So, uh, against Cal, Arizona, I think is 15 and 6 over the last 11 years. So, this is a very important test for the Wildcats. Um, as I'm saying, historically, they don't lose either of these games, even out there uh, in the Bay Area. There's also a lot of talent that historically Arizona recruits in that um, general metropolitan. So, it's a huge, big game coming up for both of them. Uh, I think California might actually be the more difficult one, but we'll see how it all goes.
Next up, you got the Trojans from Los Angeles, the USC sitting at <laughs> the Trojans from Los Angeles, the USC. I'm rolling with it, man. You know, that's fresh. That's fresh to death. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This is a story. Okay. Yeah, anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm going to be factual now. So, USC right now 17-7, and 6-5 um, and five in conference. They're, they're in the middle of everything. I'm, no more jokes. Fifth place, but again, another one of those teams. Still has a lot to play for. Thursday night, as previously mentioned, um, well, in the previous segment, they got manhandled by U of A. Really, um, Skyle played. I mean, the stats don't matter, but I'll throw you some just to, you know, like sound professional, all that. Um, Onyeke Ongewu, I think I'm getting those names down. Onyeke Onkongwu, there we go. 23 points, 8 rebounds. Daniel Utomi, 22 points. And Nick Rakisevich, 18 points and 7 rebounds. Bottom line, they got outplayed and destroyed by Arizona. And um, that's really all you can say about that outing. So on Saturday, this is the game that... um, is probably going to hurt more than the Arizona loss. They blew a 12-point first-half lead against the Sun Devils and eventually lost on the aforementioned Remy Martin game-winning shot. And uh, this is the type of game that's um, defined USC for the last decade, a talented team that loses games they should probably win. And um, it's got to be frustrating if you're a Trojans fan. You should win this game. You have more talent from top to bottom. But they didn't. Um, We're actually going to leave out the stats um, on this one. Uh, They blew a 12-point lead. That's all that matters. So they host UW next, and then WSU, and they need to respond. I'm not worried about the direction of USC. These last few games, um, I don't think, are indicative of the quality of their program. Uh, you know, they lost to Colorado by like 20, Arizona by six, and Arizona State by what two or one. So those are, um, apart from the Colorado game, probably to be expected. I don't think anybody was predicting them to come into McHale Center or uh, up there in Tempe at the bank and walk away with a victory. So the Arizona road swing is one of the most difficult in the conference. Um, and especially with the resurgence of Arizona State, that you know, that those two losses, um, those aren't bad losses. So both were quad one, and that really doesn't move the needle at all for them. So they have three quad one wins. They're three and six in the quad one designation, five and zero oh in quad two, four and one in quad three, five and zero oh in quad four. So almost every single one of their losses is a quad one. And then they have that one loss to Temple, which was just an anomaly at the uh, beginning of the year in November. So they're on, they're fine. They're going to be, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I'm not concerned with that. I've said all year, the guard um, play is what is going to make or break them. And it still rings true in the Arizona game. I think Jonah Matthews missed like eight shots. He only made two. Uh, that just that can't happen. You can't that can't happen. Expect a win. So the guard play needs to get better or more consistent. So before we get into the details of the week, we're gonna talk about the UCLA Bruins here. Currently 13 and 11 and 6 and 5 in conference. They're sitting in sixth place. Mick Cronin has done an amazing coaching job. Amazing. To be six and five. Um you can say what you want about his tournament resume at Cincinnati, probably not going as far as um, I know the Bearcat fans would have liked. And UCLA fans obviously have very high standards, and they should based off their uh, well, their life, <laughs> you know. But um, so again, six and five in conference zone his first year. Mick Cronin's doing a fantastic job. Forget the overall record; they really struggled non-conference. So Thursday they did get ramshackled by ASU. Um, not really a lot else to say. They got destroyed. Really, Cody Riley had sixteen points. Tiger Campbell, 13 points and 5 assists. 
But on Saturday, they respond with a huge win against Arizona. A huge win, especially on the road to go take down the Wildcats. That's a talented team. And um, more so than anything else, this is just a huge win in so many facets. We're talking we're talking recruiting because um, Arizona and UCLA, pretty similar recruiting areas. Team team confidence um, to beat a team like this on the road. Everyone's confidence skyrockets. And I would consider this the beginning of the Mick Cronin era. When you start getting wins like this, Things can quickly change. Things can quickly turn around, and um, I'm proud of the. I'm proud of them for real. Um, I counted this team out before the season even started. So on Saturday, Chris um, in the win against Arizona, Chris Smith had 15 points, Tiger Campbell 12 points and five assists, and uh, up next they host the Cougs and UW, and let's see if they can keep it rolling. UCLA's net ranking as of today, which is Wednesday, is 100. They have four wins versus quad one teams. They're four and six against quad one teams uh they're one and three quad two and two and one quad three five and one quad four so um the crazy thing is they have more quad one wins than um several of the teams uh, around them in the conference standings including the teams above them a little so that um that's a good sign for them i was saying that they probably wouldn't make the ncaa tournament for the obvious reasons of they weren't playing well. But they're one of the teams that also has a good brand name, and they have sway with the uh, committee, the selection committee, so they can sneak into the NCAA tournament. And that is a shock to say, but it's true. Um, UCLA can make the NCAA tournament this year, and they need to continue winning, obviously. They can't lose either of these games this week against the Washington schools. And they need to continue splitting on the road. They probably can't lose another game at home, no matter who they play. And um, they probably need to, I don't know, they might need to make the championship game in the Pac-12 tournament. Certainly they need to make the Final Four, um, the, the semifinals at the very least. But UCLA can make the NCAA tournament. So if you look at the Cardinal, they've been making me look bad all year, all freaking year. Come on, Stanford. So right now they're 16 and 7, 5 and 5 in conference. Um they're in the middle of the pack just like everyone else. Like, like dude, like every, I'm telling you seriously, like every team's in the middle of the pack right now. Um so um, before we get into their week results, they've lost 5 out of their last 6 games and they're not looking like the same team they were at the beginning of the year who got off to that hot start. Um, I believe they're in first place in the conference just maybe two weeks ago even. But yeah, lost five out of their last six. So on Thursday, they lost a really winnable game against the Utes, and plain and simple, you can't kind of squander, you can't squander these opportunities. Um, that was a really winnable matchup. Um, you look at their point guard, Tyrell Terry, 14 points, six turnovers and two assists. As a point guard, six turnovers and two assists is not going to get it done, not even close. Dejon Davis had 12 points, and uh, their star forward slash center, Oscar Da Silva, held eight points. He's a forward. I don't know why I keep saying center. So forward, Oscar Da Silva. You hop in on Saturday, blew a 16-point lead on the road against Colorado. It's going to be a hard loss to swallow, really hard loss. Um, I don't know if they can respond from this, to be quite frank. Uh, Jaden Dallaire had 19 points. Oscar Da Silva had five points, so he completely disappeared off the face of this earth this week. Only 13 combined points in two games. And Tyrell Terry had, again, 18 points, three turnovers, and zero assists. So on the week, he had nine turnovers and two assists as a point guard. That ain't going to get it done. And they play ASU and Arizona home next week. 
see if they can respond. It's going to be very difficult for Stanford to make the NCAA tournaments. They still have road trips to Oregon and Washington. They're hosting the Arizona schools this week. And then sandwiched between those two road trips is a home stretch against the Mountain Schools. So they still have to play Colorado, Arizona, Oregon, go to Washington State, and host Colorado. So that just is not good. That is the toughest schedule remaining in the conference, and they've been struggling uh, mightily recently. They're... Um, beginning part of the season in non-conference was a little bit masked because they weren't playing very good teams. Um, their quad four record is 7-0. and oh. So nearly half of their wins came against quad four teams. And five of their wins came against quad three teams. So 12 of their 16 victories, um, 75%, came against quad three and quad four. And so it's not really that surprising that they're struggling when they actually play a good team. And so, and especially now that De Silva is going to be out for an extended period, it's looking bleak for them. Tyrell Terry really needs to step up. Spencer Jones has been absent. And they're, they're in a tough spot. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know, but it came from a place of love, so y'all better like that. I was wrong with it. That's a factual statement, ladies and gentlemen. So I got my notes up, which means the podcast is still going on, and I got to focus back in here. So uh, in all seriousness, the next team we're going to talk about is Cal. They're 10-3, and 4-6 and six in conference. Uh, or Yeah, 4-6 and six in conference, currently sitting in 10th um, in the standings. They're actually one of the teams that's Probably not in the thick of things anymore. They're not far out, but they're not quite in the middle. Thursday, they played Colorado, but couldn't get it done. Um, they played them tough, though. And I think um, that's the important thing. Is pl- It's an impressive outing when you're playing a team like the Buffs Tough, especially for an upstart program, who at the beginning of the year is projected to finish last along with the Cougs. So um, to play a team like Colorado Tough, you should really respect that. Mark Fox is doing a j- good job at making them compete, making them a tough out. So respect that. Um, Matt Bradley at 17 points, Paris Austin at 15 on Thursday. On Saturday, they got beat handily by Utah. Their uh, confidence may be starting to falter with this type of loss. Um, Matt Bradley at 13 points, but no one else came to play, and this is going to be kind of how what's going to determine the rest of their year. Will someone step up alongside Matt Bradley? Could be Paris Austin, but Matt Bradley is the sure star, and they got to find a way to compete in games like this. Um, you can't be losing, getting blown up by Utah. Up next, they host ASU and Arizona. Cal still can't win on the road, which is a fairly common theme for all the schools uh, in the conference, so that's not terribly surprising. The margin of defeat to the uh, to the Utes was a little bit um, head-scratching. They were only able to put up 45 points out there at the Hudson Center. I mean, yeah, it's a difficult road trip, but you should be probably be scoring more than just 45 points against Utah. Uh, but as I said, they're, they hold serve at home mostly. They did have that loss to Oregon, which pops up in my head, but it was a close defeat, I think, by a handful of points. Other than that, they've pretty much won all of their games out there at Hospital Pavilion. It's a good uh, 
it's a good environment to play when there's a lot of people. I've actually been to a game there, and uh, I enjoyed it. The fans are passionate. They just don't seem to show up very often. It's like um, one of the things you need to build a program is fan support, and they don't really have that there. Sure, they'll show up you know, somewhat for, for big games that are um, you know, hyped up during the weekend on national TV and things like that. But for the most part, they don't really come to the games, and that's really a, a thing that Mark Fox needs to build, and that'll also help on the recruiting trail. But for the rest of the season, they need to continue to win at home. The Arizona State game coming up here is a big one for them to win. Um, the Arizona game, they haven't really had much success against the Wildcats, though um, you'll never know how that one will turn out, and maybe they can pull it out. So we're going to, uh, yeah, that made a lot of sense. Y'all like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Anyway, so um, Oregon State um, is 4-9 and nine right now. If you didn't catch my drift, we're going to talk about the Beavers here. So 14-9, and 4-7 in conference, 11th place. Uh, they're not in the thick of it. So 11th place clearly isn't good, especially with the preseason expectations. But on a positive note here, on Saturday, um, they got a huge, mu- huge much-needed win against rival Oregon. May have saved Wayne Tingle's job, saved the face of the program for another day. They needed that. <laughs> if anyone needed that, they needed that. So uh, Oregon's a good team, so uh, anything can happen in a rivalry game, but to be Oregon is impressive. Um, Ethan Thompson had 15 points. Kyler Kelly had 14 points, 7 rebounds. Trace Tinkle still a jack-of-all-trades, trade-of-all-jacks, however you say that. 13 points. Six rebounds, five assists, three steals. And with all the aforementioned stats and players, I think the most notable um, kind of name to mention here is Zach Reichel. He had 11 points and six rebounds. Also the three that helped put the game away towards the end. And I think, so if you're looking at them, the balance they have a balanced attack um, in Ethan Thompson, Kyler Kelly, and Trace Tinkle. But I think for them to win games down the stretch, they're going to need Zach Reichel to score at least 10 points a game. Probably even like 12 or 13 points a game. He's currently at around 8.4, so they're going to need just a couple more baskets from him. And next week, they house Utah and Colorado, so let's see if they can keep momentum rolling. The Beavers are one of the strangest teams in the country this year. They have victories over Colorado and Boulder, Arizona, Oregon, and Stanford in the Pac-12. So that alone is a decent resume for an NCAA tournament uh, bid, but when you look at the rest of their season, it really started in Texas A&M in December. They were blown out by like 15, you know, by a Texas A&M team that is not good this year, and that that's really um, that's where things started going south. Let's just put it that way. I mean, they started the year off great with the victory over Iowa State. Then they couldn't get it done against Oklahoma at the with the Phil Knight Invitational out there in Portland. But there was a lot of momentum rolling for them, and I was feeling good about their season. They have a lot of upperclassmen, you know, and Trey Tingle is one of the best players in the conference. And things just went south in the, um, in the Pac-12 season, and they're kind of starting to turn it around again, which is good to see. Um, they're, they can continue to build momentum towards the Pac-12 tournament. They could definitely do damage. And um, they need to continue to defend home court, obviously. And they need to probably get a road sweep, maybe even two. It's going to be tough for them, but 
they're moving back in the right direction after flailing about for about two months. The last time I'm talking about now, you'll all hear this as one smooth podcast, but I'm still waiting on the UW-WSU game to finish up the last two teams. But the last team I'm going to talk about for this moment, 12.59 precisely in Seattle. Um, we got Oregon um, sitting sometime with the Ducks. We got Oregon at 18-6, and 7-4 and four in conference, second place in the Pac-12. Um, they keep losing. They could fall pretty quickly, but for right now, second place. And on Saturday, they lost to rival Oregon State. You know, as I mentioned at the top of this show, they don't have the looks in an elite team. They're great. They're very, very good. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But they're they're not elite. Um, I, I wish I could lie to you, but I can't, people. I can't. They have one star player in Peyton Pritchard. Um, he's clearly a star. He's averaging 19.5 points per game, 6 assists, 4.3 rebounds, and 1.6 steals. That's that, that's the season stats. I want to make that clear. So 19.5 points, 6 assists. Chris Darta has 14.2 points per game. 5.6 rebounds, and uh, Will Richardson with about 10 points per game. I think, um, so we're going to ignore the rivalry loss to Oregon State. That thing happens. Beavs enjoy it, but for Oregon, it happens. It's a rivalry game. Um, the one thing I really see looking at their stats is Peyton Pritchard's averaging 1.6 steals, Chris Duarte's averaging 1.7 steals, and Will Richardson's averaging 1.3 steals. Their defense needs to fuel them going forward, and they host Colorado next in their next game, which is, Probably the game for first place this year, so must win for them. The Ducks are the only team in the Pac-12 that's undefeated at home, and they split on the road, so they're 4-4 four and four in true road games. They also by far have the best non-conference resume, and they have the most um, weight probably with the NCAA tournament when it comes to what their seed is going to be. They haven't been playing the greatest lately, um, they had a little bit of injuries to their front court, which um, hurts a little bit. But uh, I think there's something deeper going on there. And as Nick said, they do need to get back to their defense. Um, that press zone type of full court pressure is a um, very unique style. And that's how they've um, revamped that program out there. Really built it from the ground, I guess, uh, Dana Altman. And but yeah, this week they they faced the Colorado, uh, the Mountain Schools, Colorado and Utah. The Colorado game on Thursday um, is going to be for first place. And if Colorado wins that one, it's going to be um, fairly difficult for any team to win the regular season title. Um, so essentially, this is a championship game for the regular season. And if the Ducks can win it, they um, will be right back in first place. Um, so. It's all going to come down to this Thursday. It should be a great game, and um, it's going to be on national TV, so everybody should be tuning into this one. All right, so the last two teams we're going to be talking about here in conference, we have the Washington State Cougars, who are 14-10, um, 5-6, and, and again, in the thick of things, just like, yeah, okay, I, I like, can't. I don't even know if that's a fake or real laugh anymore. I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. So anyway, on a Saturday, they did a really big result for them. Uh, they were able to beat UW, who's their uh, rival. And so I think the biggest takeaway for the Cougs um, is that they're really just an improved team under Kyle Smith. He uh, kind of adds a defensive tense intensity, a scrappiness. And um, so 
they've really improved from um, from how uh, well, I'm struggling to say this here from uh, the team they've been the last basically decade since Clay Thompson left. So they're led by star CJ Ellaby, who on Saturday had 34 points and uh, 10 rebounds. <laughs> Absolutely uh, crazy stats. Um, and they also had uh, Isaac Bonton adding 12 points and uh, Noah Williams with 10 points. And uh, so for the Cougs, um, obviously being a rival, just like Oregon State, um, kind of puts an added like little boost into your program. But um, the main thing of, about them so far this season is they've looked really good at home. Um, they've played incredible at home. I believe they're like 11-2. and two. I'm not sure the exact record, but they have a really good record at home. Um, they've struggled at the road, and so up next they're at UCLA and USC. And uh, let's see if they can finally figure something out on the road. If not, um, it could be a tough week. So as Nick mentioned, the Cougars don't play very well on the road or they can't get victories on the road. And um, they're going to need to figure that out. I mean, they have one true road win all season. So that's a, a problem. But if, if you listen to the podcast um, before and earlier this episode, it's a common theme this year to, to struggle on the road in the Pac-12. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they got the game at um, UCLA and then at USC. So those are um, going to be tough outs. I mean... Uh, the Trojans are not playing the greatest recently, but um, they're still significantly more talented. And UCLA, um, they're basically on fire, and their defense is outstanding. So it's going to be a tough ask for them to even split on this road trip, and in all likelihood they're going to get swept. Um, C.J. Ellaby coming off that career performance against UW, uh, 34 points is a... Uh, Great to watch, great to see. He's a really good player. Obviously, he's going to the NBA at the end of the season. And if you're a Cougar fan and you think um, he might not go, I hate to break it to you, but he is most definitely absolutely leaving at the end of the season. So you might as well enjoy these last uh, five weeks or so. And um, they've accepted a, an invitation to the CBI, so they're going to be in a postseason. So big things happening out there in Pullman, and it's really good to see. This team, I actually didn't even take notes just because of how um, disappointing their season has been thus far. And I'm uh, talking about the Washington Huskies. They're currently 12 and 12 and uh, 2 and 9. And they're not in the thick of things. <laughs> even though just about every other conference, it, every other team in conference is, uh, Washington is 2 and 9 and sitting in last place. So, I mean, where to start? Uh, it's, it's tough. Um, I was able to watch the UW-WSU game and uh, took away a couple things about the Huskies. Mike Hopkins has to abandon the 2-3 zone. It's really not causing uh, really any pressure anymore. It's not even a good defense right now. They need to change something up. Offensively, it doesn't seem like they're getting the ball to Isaiah Stewart enough. Um, he's a beast. He should be touching the ball literally every possession. And that seems like a very simple coaching fix. Um, I really do think that Hopkins is a great coach I, I truly believe that I think in a year or two he'll have things rolling the right way and um but yeah right now it's just not getting done so they lost to rival Washington State as mentioned in the previous segment on a Saturday and that's a new low for that program talent wise they still have the potential to turn it around um if I pull up stats really quick I mean Isaiah Stewart 18 points a game Nas Carter 12.5 
Jaden McDaniels, 12.2. And, uh, yeah, they have the talent. Um, so just see if they can turn it around. Up next, they have um, at USC and UCLA. No, I think the 2-3 zone definitely should be kept. It's their identity, and it's um, how they've won in the past. Um, the issue is the point guard situation, and they don't have a go-to distributor. And as a result, Isaiah Stewart isn't getting the ball in the same positions on the court as he normally would. Teams are more focusing on him because he's their really their only threat. And that also dovetails with um, Jaden McDaniels just basically falling off the map. Um, that kid has some serious attitude issues, and he needs he needs to get his stuff together because um, he has the talent to uh, be a first-round pick, and he probably still will get drafted in the first round. But he's got some something going on where I just I don't know. I can't explain it, but he is one of the most underperforming uh, five-star recruits um, in the Pac-12. He, he was expected to be, you know, top 10 lottery pick type of player. Uh, I think he was ranked number seven or number five overall. And you could tell at the beginning of the year, he's playing with a lot of confidence. And um, I think he's not meshing well with Hopkins. And I bet he probably regrets um, picking you dub. You know, he could have gone anywhere. Um, especially since, you know, he wanted to stay home and represent his city and they've had such a bad year. So um, moving forward, they need to get their stuff together for the Pac-12 tournament and they could, you know, they can make a run. So it's not impossible. All right. In closing, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm going to take it out here. Let's see. And as I mentioned at the top, have the three big takeaways, so and I'll give a little bit more kind of deep dynamics, a little expertise, y'all, a little, little, little deep dive. So, um, again, I don't think any team in the conference is good enough to go far in the tourney. And so um, the two teams I'm looking at here, we're going to start with Colorado. Uh, McKinley Wright is good, but I don't know if he's any better than like elite any other elite point guard around the country. I like Tyler Bay. I think they're a good combination, but they're more like a cute combination. They're not like dangerous, deadly. So I don't, I don't think that propelled by Deshaun Schwartz shooting some threes here and there. Um, I don't really think that's enough to propel them past the Sweet 16. For Oregon, it's pretty much Peyton Pritchard is a stud. As I mentioned, he's like 19 points per game and like assist assists. So, I mean, what else can you say? It's freaking <laughs> crazy. But, um, so yeah, I mean, the other guys don't seem to be stepping up consistently enough, like Chris Duarte and Will Richardson. They have good stats, but they're not like that consistent second and third option. And I think that's really hurting Oregon. They lost Kenny Wooten last year, and he was he was so underrated. He's a defensive freaking force. He blocked everything known to man. So that's why I don't think Arizona too inconsistent, and Utah will yeah. <laughs> and so pretty the second takeaway: the conference is a cluster of teams. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna name every team. It's a cluster of teams in the middle. You've heard me say it seven hundred times. And um, the last takeaway is Utah freaking is awful. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> With that, deuces from Seattle. Dane, take us out. Back to be back on there. Yeah, right now, obviously, I think Colorado is um, in the driver's seat, not only because they're in first place, but because they've, they're playing the best um, in the last two weeks or so. And similarly, Oregon is kind of um, turning in the opposite direction, uh, but I think they're also up there. Those are probably the two teams that have the most potential in the NCAA tournament. Arizona, I mean, they could lose first round. 
they could make the Sweet 16. There's no way they're going any further than that, though. And in all likelihood, they're going to lose in the first round. Arizona State is probably going to get an invite. And um, who knows what will happen with them. I could see them making the round of 32. And if they get hot um, from three, they can make the Sweet 16. So also, um, really kind of off the radar team that's popped up, UCLA. Um, don't look at their overall record. Look at how they played recently and the name on the front of their jerseys. They can get an invite to the NCAA tournament. And um, so, yeah, that, those are the two to watch, I think, is Arizona State and UCLA moving forward. Stanford is not making the NCAA tournament. As Nick said, Arizona is inconsistent. So um, I think the, probably the biggest upside moving forward, um, Colorado and um, surprisingly Arizona State and UCLA. Both those teams are, are playing, or all those teams are playing great right now. And those are the ones that um, are uh, keep an eye on them moving forward.